Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Janine Crafasi about balance and gait after brain injury. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to the Faces of TBI podcast series, a series for survivors by survivors raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project. And I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. And I also recently launched the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, where you can connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Janine Crafasi, and her practice is designed to use postdoctoral clinical neuroscience rehabilitative procedures to care for patients with dizziness, post-concussion syndrome, balance disorders, and neurodegenerative conditions. Programs are designed by the doctor in office or possibly through telehealth and applied to the patient for an at-home program. The functional medicine division has an emphasis on blood-brain and brain-gut chemistry and supplementation protocols. Treatments can be effective for neuroimmune, neuroendocrine function, tailored to metabolic syndromes such as tick-borne illness, thyroid dysregulation, anxiety, and others. The specific individualized treatment procedures with clinical neuroscience research and protocols used in their teamwork approach at Delta S Performance is a perfect fit for many in their community. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Kafasi. So happy to have you here. Oh, thank you so very much, Amy, for the invitation and for <clears throat> helping us to get the word out as to what we do in you know the functional neurology and functional medicine world you know, at the whole profession. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. And I'm excited today. We're going to be talking about balance and gait uh, after brain injury. And I don't believe we've really covered that on this podcast before. So I'm, I'm really excited to dig into it because I think it affects more people than we realize. Because I know for me, after my injury, you know, I had dislocated my sternum and I was kind of twisted, like I had twisted my rib cage. So I was walking kind of hunched and twisted. And I thought my right leg had a problem. (laughs) 
And I, mm-hmm. I would find that I was like dragging it once in a while. And when I, when I'd catch myself dragging it, I'd be like, Oh, pick up your foot, Amy. And then once I met Dr. Schmo, it was actually my left leg that had the problem and the right leg was overcompensating for it. So yep. it was fascinating. I didn't even know how to walk. I was literally shuffling my feet. I didn't even know it. And he had to teach me how to like actually walk again, like with a gait. Um, so real excited to dig into the subject. Um, but first, I would love to have you share with our listeners how you came to work in this specialty of brain injury. Wonderful. Um, I am happy to share that. It's, it, it was sort of as if I was born into it. Uh, as a child, uh, I can re- actually recall falling down the stairs as a toddler. I remember climbing over the little gate, boom, 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 down the stairs, and that was my very first concussion. Uh, my father at one point had tried to change my diaper the one and only time he changed anybody's diaper or fell off the changing table, most likely something like that. As I grew up, I was very athletic and I did have what was deemed a scoliosis. Uh, so, you know, you're talking about the leg weakness and, you know, stand up straight and all of that. I grew up with that. Um, playing a lot of sports, of course, that also led to, you know, a lot of, a lot of potential injuries and, Additionally, I had learning disabilities, and as I learned about that, they really are all integrally connected. Mm-hmm. When I was in chiropractic college, you know, I, I 100% understood and was passionate about chiropractic, but I was also finding that there were a lot of cases similar to mine that the tenets of what traditional chiropractic allowed didn't allow me to go that extra step, and it, uh, it forced me really to learn more. And as I started studying functional neurology uh, while I was still on campus as a chiropractic student, I really learned that there is such a great connection between the brain and the body directly through neurological pathways, not just the anatomical um, limitations of the spine and and the appendicular, the arms and legs, part of the skeleton. So what I did is I just learned more and more and more. And as I started to get my own personal results, both after multiple car accidents and traumas, and after one of my car accidents, ironically, I had the same thing. I thought, what's wrong with my leg? What's wrong with my leg? I had noticed I was tripping a lot. I noticed that, quote, unquote, the brakes in my car didn't work anymore, even though I had the car fixed. Well, the problem wasn't wasn't my leg per se it was the information that was getting from my brain down into my leg and how I perceived myself in space and when I was going to break I was breaking late because of perception which goes into balance mm-hmm. and balance isn't mm-hmm. always about standing so again you know as I'm in school learning more and more I'm attracting more and more of these cases and in addition to that one of my cousins who as a seven-year-old I was you know her flower girl she was one of the original cases of Lyme on Long Island. And uh, unfortunately, the neurological consequences of both them not knowing what she had as well as not being able to treat her, uh, she ended up having a, you know, a rather early demise. And it was something that I promised myself for her that I would look into. So I say that because there's a lot of things that cause people to have balance and gait disturbances. Mm-hmm. Certainly, like yeah. we talked about, any type of a mild to moderate concussion or what also known as a traumatic brain injury. 
Uh, that doesn't have to be a direct impact. That can be a whipping-type motion that changes how the cerebellum or the major coordinator part of your brain um, gets the information through some of the streaming mechanisms we have to different parts of the brain, including the frontal cortex, as well as the shear that can happen with the brain stem. Certainly a Lyme or tick-borne illness, I shouldn't say Lyme because it's not exclusive to Lyme, or mold or other environmental toxins, dis-ease. You know, we're certainly, we're currently experiencing COVID and we are expecting and starting to see some changes that are affecting the brain. So we don't know what that impact can have. You know, additionally, uh, we have those neurodegenerative conditions that play a part in that. Uh, people are very familiar, uh, so I use it as a good example, is Parkinson's, excuse me, Parkinson's syndrome or Parkinsonian conditions where uh, those patients certainly have trouble with um, their ability to ambulate properly. So they sort of have this shuffling movement while their hands or sort of fingers are rubbing against each other. Uh, unfortunately, what concerns me, and I'm really excited to talk to you about this with, is sure that Parkinson's patients take on. It's very, very similar to what people look like when they're walking and texting. They're hunched over, <laughs> they're shuffling yep. in their gait, and they are rolling in that same what we in Parkinson's conditions use as a determining factor, um, you know, for an identifier as pill rolling. So there's a lot of consequences to that. So at Delta S Performance, we're sort of covering the gamut. Um, we have, um, as you know, Dr. Lovich, who has uh, been fortunate enough to be on your show before, uh, he is the founder and owner. Uh, we, he, you know, covers all of the bases that are out in the Colorado area and both our Boston, I'm sorry, in our Denver and soon to be Boulder office. And then we have Dr. Sickle here in New England with me, Dr. Chelsea Sickle. She's working our neurodegenerative, um, sorry, neurodevelopmental department and, you know, trying to prevent kids from having some balance issues or down the road consequences that may impact their ability to learn, their ability to perform, and to be coordinated in their actions because everything that happens in the brain reflects in what's happening in your body, you know, how you perceive things, how you, how you create an action, how you choose to restrict that action so you're not having these overdramatic movements how you can decide to um, have a thought process or to stop that all combined. We have the traumatic brain injury, you know, division, which we, we see a lot of. And uh, Dr. Andrews is going to be taking over the Boston division of that. And then we have the neurodegenerative and the, you know, the other illnesses that I take over because all of those have the ability to have a negative impact on how we have balance and gait. You know, balance is our ability to stand as well as to sit properly. Gait is that rhythmic stepping that we try to have. Um, you know, we went from walking on all fours to standing up onto two feet. So there's a lot of um, coordination that happens from going what we call bipedal to unipedal. There's that moment of needing to shift our, our balance and our awareness as to what's around us. So when we take a step, we have to have an awareness that, you know, wherever the ground is crooked or you're half on cement or whatever the case may be, as well as what's around you. Do you have to lean and twist while you're doing that? So those two components, balance and gait, are integrally related. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, as you said, when you have an issue with that, you can have difficulty with walking, or trouble with balance in and of itself, and it creates an unsteadiness. And, you know, unsteadiness can be from a lot of, a lot of things. It can be from dizziness. It can be from vertigo. You know, it can be from motion sickness. You know, we've had patients that have come in and have a condition called maldebarkment syndrome. You know, and it's that sensation of either actually getting off of a, a boat or a ship and having that sensation that you're still on that boat or ship. And, um, you know, people can have it for other reasons as well. Uh, double vision is also another reason that people can have issues with balance and gait. And, you know, like we said, there's a lot of different different reasons. Um, there can even be a metabolic component where, you know, vitamin B12 deficiencies are often linked to um, patients reporting, you know, balance and gait issues. So, you know, what so, we do is, you know, we rule out the more serious things like brain hemorrhages and microtraumas when, you know, patients do come in. And we determine, you know, what is it that's, you know, causing this, you know, discoordination of, you know, motor skills and causing them to be out of balance or to have these altered gait movements. You know, is it something from their cerebellum, which is the back part of your brain? Um, is there any kind of a condition that is, causing that to not fire properly or not be able to slow down the appropriate firing of that? Because, you know, is that something that we can work with from an exercise rehabilitation perspective? Or is it something that can even be metabolic where we need to, for example, with the common dietary changes is to take gluten and dairy out of the diet because those definitely can affect balance and proprioception where you are in space. So, we so Dr. Grafisi, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna interrupt you. Let's let's break this stuff down a little bit. Um, let's break this into some bite-sized nuggets for our listeners. Um, so Absolutely. let's just let's just start with you know balance and and like you said, balance. Essentially, our body is trying to keep us upright, trying to keep us from falling, right? Um, and after a brain injury, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of mechanisms in the brain um, that are what keep us upright or, or seat it, right? Correct. Same thing, keep us from falling over. Um, <clears throat> and so, like, in my case, I felt dizzy all the time, um, and that affected my balance. Like, I, I, like I had the, um, that feeling of rocking and rolling. Like it felt like the world was kind of moving around me. Um, And I would run into things frequently. Like I would think I was clearing the door frame and I'd walk right into it. Right. All the time. So what, you know, can you kind of break down what are some of the reasons that that's happening um, and explain how, like for me, I didn't, I didn't know I suspected my dizziness was causing a lot of the problems, but, you know, I didn't know that it was my eyes, right, that, that were mm-hmm. actually causing. So um, can you break that down a little bit for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, like, like you said, is it's not only in the upright position. It can even be while laying down. Sometimes patients have issues of knowing where they are in space, and they do have yes. that sensation of, you know, either being still and the world is going on around them, or sometimes they just feel like everything's in motion. Some patients even report things going in one direction versus another. 
So um, I'm glad that you brought that up, is yes, you do have um, balance as in the structural, you need to stand up on your feet and balance on your knees and your pelvis, but your head also needs to be, you know, on your shoulders straight, so to speak. And with that, we also need to make sure that, you know, your eyes are not only seeing things in a visual acuity, like, okay, yes, that's not blurry, I can see that there's, you know, a tree in front of me, let's say, and that you can distinguish that. But the eyes also to move in tandem with each other to be able to see what's going on. They need to be appropriately reacting to light and darkness because if they're not, that can be sending a mixed signal into the brain to say, hey, we've got a little bit of a problem here. You know, you should be leaning to the right or duck but there's really not anything that's there. Or worse than that, they don't know that and may accidentally, you know, cause some potential injury. There's mechanisms that are what we call vestibular ocular reflexes, which are connections um, to your, um, your uh, what they call otolithic and canalithic mechanisms, your, your inner middle ear uh, balance system. So there's a definite link in between that. So the information could be getting glitched between what the, those apparatuses in the inner and middle ear are picking up as well as what the eyes are interpreting from that. You know, if you hear glass break, you should have a definite reaction in your eyes and in your brain and in your nervous system that something happened. We shouldn't always be on high alert with it. We should also be able to interpret what that is. But our head and our eyes should also be moving in particular figure eight type of emotion in our normal walking and gait. So when there's a breakdown in that mechanism, it's, it's very hard for some patients to interpret it. And then if it doesn't get remediated, it can only perpetuate itself. Then it becomes what we call plastic, where your brain thinks that's normal, but it's not. And that's where we in functional neurology come in. We also have some other reflexes that can play a part with that. We have um, cervical, which is in reference to the neck, cervical vestibular reflexes. So, again, if your head is biomechanically challenged, you have significant arthritis or you've had an injury where the tissues are unstable for a period of time, again, the information is going to come, it come in on a skewed, at a skewed deviation, and you're not going to be able to take that information in equally like you should. It should be coming in the same from the left and the right. And then there is also your um, cervical, I'm sorry, your uh, ocular and uh, cervical mechanisms that, again, has that same feedback within itself. So we need to make sure that the brain takes this information in, processes it appropriately, so that you're getting that sensory input, coordinating it with your proprioception where you are in space with that system, and then engaging the motor system to get that feedback so that the joints in your body are moving properly, which then brings us into gait. But if you're perpetually off balance, it makes sense that the gait is going to be to some degree. Yeah, and, you know, I remember when one of the first doctors that, like, checked my gait um, I think he was a PT. I don't remember. Um, but he observed right away that I wasn't moving my arms when I walked. Like they literally weren't moving. And, your, you know, your arms should move in timing with your legs. 
And I was like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> like, I hadn't yep. even noticed it, right? And exactly. he, like, you know, he said we had to determine was something injured, like, was something impinging my arm movement, or was it neurological? And as soon as I realized that my arms weren't moving, I made a conscious effort to move them. And occasionally I would notice that it wasn't moving and I would move my arms. Um, but, you know, that's one of those weird things where, like, you you as the patient, you don't even realize. Like I said, I was shuffling. I wasn't even picking my feet up. Um, and, it, like, just little things like that. What are What are some things that people can assess themselves for or assess their family member, you know, if a caregiver is listening? What are some simple things that people can assess? to see if you do have some of those issues going on? Well, you know, one very obvious one is what we call a wide-based gait. Um, you know, we all, it, it, the cerebellum, I talked about how it's those gross motor skills. I refer to it as when you're, it's those get-out-of-your-car tests. When you're driving down the road and there's a siren going behind you and the police, you know, you've all seen it on TV, hopefully not in person, and they get, you know, get out of your car, what do you do? You can you know, is your, are your feet more or less underneath your shoulders or are you having to widen that stance because you're feeling like, you know, you, you, you're a little bit off balance. So that's one thing you can do. Is there a normal step? Is it a normal, first of all, is it a normal heel to toe step or is it shuffling? Uh, we, you know, we, we're basically looking for the, the rhythm, the timing and the speed of movement. Does it look the same from side to side? And the other thing to do is, you know, just take a step or have somebody in a safe environment, take a step or two with your eyes closed. That's always an interesting thing. Yeah. You know, does somebody deviate to one side or another? And, um, you know, the other very common and funny to, to some to watch is to have, you know, and do it as a group so nobody feels singled out, like if you have a partner to watch you or family is, Everybody march in place. Get your arms and legs moving. And most people will do a, what they call a cross-crawl mechanism, where when you lift up your right leg, your left arm moves up. When you put them both down and you lift your left leg, your right arm comes up. Put them back down. So it's opposite movement, opposite leg to opposite arm. Many people tend to do the same side particularly if there's, like we spoke about, a neurodevelopmental, so it's common sometimes with some children, and very common post-trauma, where when somebody is, is going to march, it's what we call a homolateral march, where it's the left arm and the left leg come up together, which is not the proper, the proper way we would have an appropriate balance and gait mechanism. If you think about when you go to run, you don't run with your right arm and your right leg. You run opposite. That's where you get your power, your strength, and your coordination in order to have the balance that we need to get from point A to point B. So those are very similar. There's another one where a patient can stand up um, in a safe environment with somebody around them and put your arms up and close your eyes and march in place for 30 seconds or so. And, again, having a safe environment, somebody there, in case someone loses their balance. Many times in a post-concussion case or in the other conditions that I've already talked about, patients won't stay in that spot. They'll tend to drift one way or another. So um, when that happens, that tends to be an indicator that the, the balance system and the proprioceptive system isn't taking the sensory information 
in appropriately, and it's causing your body to have a change into one direction or another. So those are some things that you can, you know, you can check, as well as the really obvious is take your shoes off, put them on a piece of paper on the countertop, and look at the wear pattern. That will let you know pretty accurately if you are off balance. If your, for example, right shoe is more worn out than the left, that means every time you're taking a step, there's some level of imbalance that your brain is having to interpret. And our bodies do amazing things, but they're truly doing them one very split second in a row, one right after the other. So it takes a lot of energy, believe it or not, to be out of, uh-huh. out of sync <laughs> and to not be, you know. And for people that have had traumas or major um, setbacks in their life, they know that better than anything else. I mean, like you said, most of us don't know. We get up, we go. But when you go to get up and go and you're feeling a little bit dizzy, you feel like you're not sure where you are, you're constantly banging into something like, oh, my gosh, since when did I get clumsy? Well, you got clumsy when some of the mechanisms that are supposed to be guiding you are not appropriately distributing information in your – well, they are appropriately doing it based on the information you get, but not appropriate for you to have optimized function in your world. And that's what we work on when patients come to the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you said it takes a lot of extra work when you're off balance. And you know, I know for me, I was, I mean, I could get maybe two productive hours out of my day if I was lucky, if I was having a good day. You're um, and then when I started working with uh, Dr. Schmo, and I mean, it was just unbelievable how just simply getting my vision under control and my balance and learning how to walk properly again. Mm -hmm. Um, Even today, I still will notice my body wants to go into that twisted posture. Um, And I like make sure I straighten myself back out and I make sure I walk and like, I can hear my feet. Like when I go for a walk outside, I can hear my feet kind of make a smack, smack, smack. And that's what I'm like, Oh, take big steps, Amy. And, you know, getting that full gait again. Um, so I'm very aware, like I'm much more in tune with it now that I'm aware what was wrong. Right. Um, right. but man, my energy but level, aware that it was your eye, right. You probably weren't even aware of the subtleties of your eyes and some of those mechanisms, but you mm-hmm. could tell something was wrong. Right. So yeah, it's, you know, like you were saying is changing the gait is really good, but sometimes, you know, life has little setbacks here and there, and we do need to go back to the basics of making sure that we create the gaze stability, which helps the head tilts and the vestibular ocular reflexes that allow all of those other mechanisms to recreate appropriate gait and, and balance. So, Dr. Grafisi, we are just about at the end of our time, and I would like to wrap up just by asking you, you know, if you have any final parting thoughts for our listeners. Parting thoughts? Uh, Yes, actually. Um, First of all, I want everybody to know, and I know this is true for every functional neurologist that's out there, is please don't hesitate to call us. We are used to dealing with the unusual. Um, We're used to finding (laughs) answers where some others can't. Uh, I do caution you, though, is to stay away from Google. (laughs) Dr. Google, you know, is is all well and good, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of training that's gone into that, and sometimes it can get very overwhelming and daunting and depressing for patients. 
And, you know, not only, you know, do everything is related in the brain, every action, every reaction, like I said before, each part of the brain needs to work independently and interdependently. And that also incorporates mood. And when we've got, you know, a poor coordination and inappropriate mechanisms firing, that can even affect the mood. So I would say, you know, to reach out to those that you think might be in the know, and even if that's calling you and then you making the calls to your network, you know, to use the resources that are out there to get the answers that you need. And there, you know, there really are no silly questions. There is, you know, no situation that any of us have met or haven't met or don't have a resource if it's beyond what we're able to do, because our goal is to help people. And, and again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be on here and to share, you know, the importance of balance and gate while people have the opportunity to remediate those changes. Um, and it's never too late. You know, we've worked with elderly patients and we've worked with very young patients. You know, uh, anything we can do to help, we are happy to do so. Always make sure you're decreasing the inflame in the brain. So really watching the habits that help to support proper brain health, having really good nutrition and or supplementation, trying not to do the activities that we know, you know, affects the blood-brain barrier, which is going to affect the brain and posture, you know, like, um, for example, um, there's something called aspartame that's in a lot of products. We know that that punches holes in the lesions to the blood-brain barrier, which can affect the gut um, ultimately. Um, we know that smoking, of course, can do that. So really trying to lead, lead a healthier lifestyle helps the brain overall. And decreasing the amount of sugar, including fruit, and having more of the green leafies and the more of an alkaline diet helps. And, you know, again, I will bring this back around is, you know, people will argue with me, but gluten and dairy have a mimicry within the brain that can have a tendency to lead people to autoimmunity issues, but also has been shown to affect gait and balance disturbances. Um, one of the uh, seminars I had taken, they had put up a video of three different individuals, and you had to figure out which one had which particular um, neurodegenerative condition, as well as a uh, gluten ataxia, gluten imbalance. And that was by far the worst. And this particular person that was a patient in the office also was a high-profile military multilingual individual who could barely complete a sentence and was almost sounded like he was mumbling because he had an inability to speak properly, all because of gluten and uh, some dairy, but mostly gluten. And it's heartbreaking to watch. So. Do we, you know, we all cheat, we all try to, you know, enjoy life, just realize there can be consequences and just try to, to, to live your best life and know that there are resources that are here for you. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Krafasi, today. And um, if anyone would like to connect with you, the website is deltasperformance.com, and I do have that in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. And 
And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and got some really good golden nuggets out of it. Um, Just a reminder, you can always find previous podcasts at facesoftbi.com. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And also don't forget to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. And just another big thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank <laughs> you.